Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 128 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. <laughs> Hi, Jill. I have no idea what that was. <laughs> How are you? I was in like an NPR <laughs> mode, apparently. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? That made me really happy. I don't know what that was, That's honestly. Okay. Um, what's up? <laughs> well, um, you know it's Monday, and so we have a new episode. That is how this. That is how our process works. Um, so this one is a really fun interview we have. Yes. With um photographer Kyle Cassidy, um we uh he. Trying to think that was of how such to a struggle. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, apologies, guys. Um, so Kyle Cassidy has put together um, a book, not really a coffee table book, but it's a photography book. It's called, on my coffee table. Oh, there you go. Um, it's called "This Is What a Librarian Looks Like: A Celebration of Libraries, Communities, and Access to Information." And he has been a photographer at the American Library Association. Um, annual conference which is this week is the 2017 so he has over the last couple of years collected um photographs of various librarians i mean by various there's like i don't even know how many like 200 something yeah um librarians from all over the world i think there were some international ones i believe and it's kind of put them all in together into a book um which Maybe it doesn't sound that interesting to you. However. However. Um, it's fascinating. Yes. Seeing, I mean, I'm a librarian, so it's not surprising to me. But he talks a bit about how part of his reason for wanting to do this was to um, help maybe non-regular library goers understand the vast plethora of librarian types. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Um, librarians get a very stereotypical uh, view. Yeah. I think is what is probably a better way of phrasing it. Um, and so he's trying to challenge that with the help of other librarians who were like, hey, you should take our pictures. Uh, <laughs> and it kind of became this book. And then there's it's interspersed with quotes from um, authors, big names. There's some big names. Giant names. I feel like I'm describing this book horribly no it's no but no you're absolutely you're absolutely right there's a stigma where people assume a librarian is an old woman with blue hair and glasses hanging off a chain and sweaters a lot well of the lo- sweaters is real because libraries li- are cold a lot of the librarians we met do have sweaters but i mean we interact with librarians every single day most of them or a lot of them most of them a lot of them work here at overdrive but even if not we talk with them every day and, and we know that librarians come in from in all ages all cultural backgrounds you know, they're incredibly diverse. And so not only is this a book of pictures of them, but each of the librarians have quotes and stories as well. And then, yeah, he interviewed, like when you say big names, like George R.R. R. Martin, big. And yeah, Neil, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. And he talks about this during the podcast episode 
podcast interview, this is the episode, um, about how like Neil Gaiman was one of the first people to support his Kickstarter, which is a nice way for your Kickstarter to right? jump off. Um, and he has all these fascinating stories about how he got um, all these people to jump on board and the fact that uh, this book has been sent to every congressman and congresswoman uh, to remind them of the importance of not cutting funding for libraries. And um, we specifically wanted to come out this week during the American Library Association week because we want to hopefully kind of amplify the amount of people that will hear this and know the importance of librarians and yeah, what he did here is wonderful. Agreed. And just, he's like a quote machine, by the way. Everything yeah. he said, you and I are both like, we should make a commercial. I know. So. Yeah, it was a very fun interview. Um, and so we'll be seeing him then. We will be, yeah. So Jill and I, later this week and over the weekend, will be in Chicago for the American Library Association summer meetings interviewing speaking of big authors interviewing some really big authors there and and uh we'll be at the overdrive booth so if you're a librarian listening to this and you'll be there come stop by and say hey say hello take a picture with us uh if not if you aren't going to the american library association uh in chicago follow along our twitter account we'll have, we'll tweet a bunch of pictures and all yep. that sorts of fun stuff i know we're not always crazy active on twitter but this will be pretty unfortunately active. we have other jobs that require uh, our attention no gosh wish we got paid for just doing this. Uh, but yeah, it, this is a, a fun interview and really insightful into the lives of the librarians and the book itself. Um, I, say, I think I said this at the end of the interview, like, we normally tell people to go place holds on books and, and borrow them from the library, and you can absolutely do that, but then you, you should also buy a copy of this. So that See, you, you described it. it much better than I was doing. Hey, thanks. I just... My my way of talking is to ramble enough until I look over and you're like, good job, you've accomplished the words you tried to say. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if people want to follow us, how can they do that? They can find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds and then email us directly at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Yes. And while you're listening to this, I hope it inspires you to go visit your local library and see the librarians that are in your community and all those things. That's yeah. a good PSA, I think. That was a great PSA. Thank you all. All right. So I hope you guys enjoy this awesome interview with Kyle Cassidy on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Adam and Jill from Team Overdrive, and today we're joined by Kyle Cassidy, who is an author and a photographer whose work includes the forthcoming Where I Write, Fantasy, and Science Fiction Authors in Their Creative Spaces. And he also has written a book called This Is What a Librarian Looks Like, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. We're going to be talking about today since we are a library company. So, Kyle, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. So to kind of start, um, where did the idea for this book come from? Well, it certainly wasn't my idea, exactly. Um, in 2014, I got a tweet from a librarian named Naomi Gonzalez that said, librarians are going to be in your hometown. P.S. We are very photogenic. <laughs> so uh, I had very little to do with the actual idea. Um, I wrote back to Naomi and asked if she could uh, hook me up with some librarians, and I would be happy to come and photograph them. And I went to the ALA midwinter, and on the last day, it was Sunday, 
and uh, there were about 30 people who had who had uh, come out for the photo shoot. And I photographed all of them, and uh, I did little interviews with each of them. And I thought, you know, what if I could put you in front of 50,000 people? What would you tell them about libraries and librarians? So they told me their stories. Some of them were uh, stories of success, wonderful things that they had done, and some of them were stories of what libraries needed or how people could help. And I put this together and I called Slate Magazine and I said, hey, would you be interested in running this? And they said, yes. And <laughs> it went viral immediately after they, uh, after they published it. I think they published it in March. And it got millions of, of views. And people all around the country started sharing their experiences with libraries and librarians who had meant something to them. And lots of the people I noticed who were doing that were people who said, I haven't been into a library in a long time, but this made me remember this book or this person or, or this other thing. And at that time, I hadn't been to a library in probably a decade. And I realized that I had something in common with many of the people who are sharing this story. And that libraries were imperiled, and we, me and a lot of these people uh, who had been away from libraries, were not aware of it, and we weren't doing what we could be doing to help. And so I started to think about how I could do something that would be useful and that would speak to people who loved libraries, loved the idea of libraries, but maybe had uh, gone away from them as their... Uh, internet speed got faster and as they got an Amazon Prime account uh, maybe they were able to get as you know I had been doing just getting books from Abe or eBay or uh, or Amazon when I needed them and I had sort of fallen by the wayside and hadn't realized all of the other things that libraries were doing I have and to so, tell oh, go ahead I'm sorry yeah, go ahead oh, no, I was just going to say I have to tell you, you know, right before we started recording you know, we told you this you Overdrive is a, we're a digital company, but we were we're always sent physical copies of books. And your book is it's absolutely gorgeous. Jill and I were both kind of flipping through it before we started chatting with you today. And there's so many incredible stories in there. Do you have like a few of the stories that librarians told you that you remember that that stood out? I mean, I know that there are over two hundred of them. Yeah, one of the the first librarians that I interviewed, and one who really changed the way that I was thinking about librarians instantly in that first 30 minutes when I was photographing people. It's a librarian from Alaska who had in her library the town's only reliable internet connection. So if you wanted to order a book from Amazon or Abe or eBay, you would have to go to the library in order to use the internet. I hadn't, that hadn't crossed my mind. You know, something like that would be provided by the library and it would be the uh, the only way that people could access things. And that's not unusual. There's a, uh, a librarian who has a longer story in This Is What a Librarian Looks Like named Brittany Bird, and she lives in Montana, and a bunch of the small towns near Helena couldn't afford their own library, so they pooled their resources together, and there's a, uh, a truck which Brittany drives, all around Montana, um, bringing the library to people in small towns, and she'll pull up in a parking lot, and that will be the library for 
several hours. And she also brings Wi-Fi. So a lot of people don't have Wi-Fi in the areas that she lives. So they will come out to to uh, a parking lot or uh, sometimes it's a neighborhood center, an old folks home, and they'll sit in the library and use their laptops and get all of the work done that they need to do for that week until she comes back the next time. So those stories really struck me that I think we all tend to grow myopic and think that everybody is like us. And I hadn't thought about a lot of, what's your life like if you live in a place that's remote from other people? I live in a place that's very close to other people. And I can depend on people for anything that goes wrong. Like if, you know, my, uh, my pipes freeze, like there's somebody else nearby who I can get water from. But if you live you know, hundreds of miles from anywhere, you have to be much more self-reliant. And so being exposed to these librarians started to make me think about those people. You cover a wide range of librarians and the service populations that they have. I noticed um, I noticed this specifically because I used to do the same thing. Um, Nick Higgins from Brooklyn Public Library uh-huh. and his work with Rikers Island. I used to work as a prison librarian as well. Did you sort of set out to cover a vast range of types of libraries or did that just sort of develop naturally and organically? So after the initial Slate essay, um, every librarian in America had seen it, which gave me a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of opportunity. And um, like there wasn't anyone who didn't return my phone calls really after that. So I, I wanted, I realized that it was something bigger than just this photo essay. And so I used Kickstarter to, uh, to photograph more librarians. Um, there were some criticisms of the initial Slate photo essay, and one of the ones that I thought was uh, completely legit was that there was not a lot of variety in the librarians that I photographed. I photographed 30 people, I had 30 points of view, and a lot of people said, I don't see myself represented in this. I don't see my, my branch of librarianship. So I used the crowdfunding platform Kickstarter to raise money to go photograph more librarians. I wanted to photograph 100 more. I thought if I had 130 librarians, it's a much better, much bigger picture. And when that was when that was happening, after that had been funded, I think we were funded in 24 hours, um, I started talking to the ALA about, you know, who should I get when I'm, you know, when I'm here? And they started recommending people, and other librarians started recommending people, and Nick Higgins was one of uh, the people who was recommended either by another librarian or somebody at the ALA. And his story is absolutely, it's amazing. Um, he had uh, been working in a library. I think he wanted to be a rare books librarian. And a woman came in and asked for help um, getting a letter to her son who was in prison. And he felt, after he did that, after he found where this person was and got the letter to him, that he, he felt that he had accomplished something very important. And he began a program then which allowed incarcerated parents to read a book to their child who was somewhere else. And he has a, he has a uh, setup now that allows people who are on Rikers Island, they get a copy of Horton Hears a Who, their kid is in the library, gets a copy of Horton Hears a Who, and there's a video conference between the two of them. So he's able to... Uh, really impact the lives of families and in a, in a way that I hadn't 
really considered before. It's like when a parent is in jail, the child is is suffering too. And he had come up with a way to um, allow the child to have as, as normal of a parental relationship as possible during those uh, uh, extenuating circumstances. That I, All of the stories in here that, that you share, they're so incredible. And it would have been really easy... It probably would have been a lot easier to just have this be more or less a coffee table book of just these images because they, in and of themselves, they're absolutely gorgeous. But in addition to making sure these librarians got to tell their stories, you also have some really wonderful like commentaries and, and articles from some really, really ridiculously big names here. You've got Neil Gaiman and George R. R. Martin and John Scalzi and all sorts of people. What was the process like getting, you know, things from these different authors? Were you pulling uh, articles that they've previously written? Did you get a chance to, to sit down with them? Or I guess just kind of take us through that process. Sure. Um, I was thinking very much like you were, uh, hey, this should just be a great coffee table book full of beautiful photographs and and things that librarians have to say. And it was actually my editor, Becky Coe, at uh, Black Dog, who said that uh, there should be essays by writers because librarians love writers and writers (laughs) love librarians. And that turned out to be very true. While I was doing the Kickstarter, Neil Gaiman was one of the first people who uh, was very enthusiastic about it and uh, agreed to narrate a documentary that... I'm uh, shooting about librarians, and uh, Nancy Pearl came on board through uh, my editor, and um, a lot of the authors that I talked to just had librarian stories that they were very, very interested in sharing, because they had all grown up in libraries and realized that they wouldn't be who they were if it wasn't for libraries. Um, George R. R. Martin, um, when he agreed, I didn't want to be the guy who had George R. R. Martin write something that wasn't the winds of winter. (laughs) I figured that would shorten my lifespan if that that happened. So I offered to come out and just do an interview with him and then uh, massage that into an essay. And uh, he was having a party at Worldcon, which is sort of the Oscars of science fiction. And he said, well, if you come out here and photograph my party, I will you know, tell you my best librarian stories. So I went to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, where Worldcon was, and I photographed a splendid party that, that George threw. And then George talked about uh, libraries in a really beautiful way that began with, uh, at the same time, himself as a child in Bayonne, New Jersey, going to the library and reading the books of Robert Heinlein, who grew up right there in Kansas City, Missouri, and who had himself gone to the library as a child and been inspired to buy books about astronomy. So it made a full circle when George toured the library in Kansas City, Missouri, to look for Robert Heinlein books in the library that inspired Heinlein to start (laughs) writing, and then inspired George to start writing. And then here he is at the the height of his career back in the place where Heinlein began. So it was, uh, it was a really wonderful conversation. It's a beautiful essay. And he speaks so eloquently and so forcefully about the need for libraries. I think it's, it's so interesting how, you know, libraries, 
as their very nature sort of stalks the finished product of a book and the writing process. But as you talk, there's this huge full circle of taking those books and kind of using them as your own inspiration. And it just kind of continues in the librarian's place in the whole circle of writing and publishing. It's really kind of cool to think about. Yeah, and I'm so lucky now that at this very moment when my book came out, there are super successful books from that have just come out from so many of the people who uh, contributed essays here. Uh, Amy Dickinson has a, a new memoir out, which is doing very well. Um, John Scalzi just got a TV show deal, and he's got his new book, Lock-In, which is doing very well. Um, Jeff Vandermeer's uh, book, Born, just came out, and they're making a movie of his last book, and of course, Neil's uh, Norse mythology and uh, American gods. So this really, like, these people couldn't have come together at a better time for me. You you literally have a list here. So we were very fortunate. John Scalzi was in Cleveland, and we were able, we had him on our podcast, but, like, the rest of of the people you have on this reads like a list of like Jill and I's dream people to come on here and talk about their books that it is so incredible that you're able to get because I think that'll really you know the book even you know by itself this book is like I said it's beautiful and and I think it's gonna it's gonna continue to attract a ton of attention but the fact that you have these you know forces of nature when it comes to writing so prominently you know championing it championing it it, that's just it makes me so happy that not only were you able to bring all these beautiful library stories together but to have other people who can kind of um you know expand the potential reach of this book i i imagine that has to be a a bit of a dream come true for you as well it was wonderful yeah to hear yes from all of these people uh when i asked yes 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 again and again and again and many of them had uh paula poundstone has a wonderful essay in there about going to the library with one of her daughters and realizing that they were sitting next to a a table where a a tutor was teaching an, an adult woman to read so that she could later read to you know her children and teach somebody else to read and that so many of these things are happening in libraries and things beyond books and reading i I mean you know better than i do i I think probably all the things that libraries are doing with uh 3d printers and uh music studios i borrowed a, a virtual reality camera from my local library so so much more than just books and when writers are talking about their careers they're talking about who they are in, re- in in regards to libraries like they are who they are because at some point in time somebody said i am going to get this strange book for my library and they sat down and read it and their life changed because of that or because the librarian said you like that book you'll like this one and you'll like this one and you'll like this one so the attention that libraries or librarians specifically were giving to creative young people birthed generations of authors the generations of authors who contributed essays to this so 
of all the the stories and everything that you've you've read here uh, as or collected from these from these librarians what is and maybe this will be an obvious question depending on how you answer it but what is the biggest uh common misconception that you think this book will help disprove i think the thing that most people don't realize about libraries is that they are not just rooms filled with books in fact some of the libraries in here have very few books but what they do have is knowledge and that is the key to understanding a library that not that it's books but it's knowledge and knowledge transcends the medium so you might have a a library that has no books but a recording studio and you're giving people access to knowledge about a particular thing we have a tool library in philadelphia where you can take out rotary hammer drills and things like that and in a world where books themselves have become uh, transcendent of medium it's all too easy to say oh you know the books are online what do we need a, a room to house them for i can fit them all on my phone but the book itself is not what the library is really doing the library is providing knowledge and access to information for everybody. I think it's interesting that you talked about the timeliness of the other authors and the writers mentioned and quoted in your book. As a librarian myself, I think your book itself is incredibly timely. There's a lot going Mm -hmm. on in this current political landscape where libraries feel threatened. um, And I think a lot of people who are not familiar with the field and aren't librarians and don't go to the library have a very antiquated idea of what libraries Uh represent. So I think this book coming now is going to hopefully have a very big impact on changing people's perceptions of what a library is and what it can do and why we have to fight for them. Yes, I think that is true. And I hope that I have built a trumpet that librarians can use to explain to people what they really do. In fact, the advocacy group, every library just sent a copy of this to every member of the Senate and key members of the House who are on committees that have to deal with libraries, hoping that they will open up the book and say, oh, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this either. And the next time somebody says, hey, we can save a pathetically small amount of money here by shutting down this branch of the library, they'll say, wait a minute. Libraries are much more than what I thought they were. Let's save that library. That's that my is, hope. Anyway. That is amazing. We're uh, here at Overdrive. We are fortunate. We're very good friends with every library. That That is an incredible story. That's, yeah, that just made my entire day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, Adam, uh, but when I was at the American Library Association... The, the last one. In, a, in Atlanta. Ever, ever. Atlanta, yes. So one of the things that I learned about from these librarians that I was photographing, I said, oh, you know, I have all of the books that I want, and they, you know, I read them on my Kindle. And they said, do you know about Overdrive? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. And they said, you can download ebooks <laughs> from the library to your Kindle. And I said, what? This is amazing. <laughs> and so I got the app, and I started downloading books. 
And when I went to the ALA, I came to the Overdrive uh-huh. uh, kiosk, and I said, I love Overdrive. And you said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and then about two hours later, you stopped over at the Shet booth to mm-hmm. meet me. But I had already expressed my love for what you're, uh, what you're doing there. And oh, yeah. so I download books from Overdrive all the time, audiobooks specifically. And if you'll allow me to opine about what I think is cool about Overdrive for a minute. I think we're okay um, with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of the, the biggest, uh, most diverse segments of my reading history was when I lived in Wilmington, Delaware, and I had absolutely no money. I was uh, working in a zoo as a ticket taker, and I couldn't afford books at all. And I would go to the library occasionally, but I would also depend on books that people threw out. So I would be walking home, and there would be a box of books, and I would take the box of books, and I'd think, aha, here's a box of books. And the serendipity of getting these books that had been cast out, and them being books that I never, ever, ever would have picked off of the shelf, but then I read, they gave me an opportunity to, I think, really expand as as a, a, as a reader. I read Valley of the Dolls, which I never, ever would have would have read otherwise that's one of my um, favorite I books <laughs> <laughs> i love valley of the dolls oh, that has made me so happy continue <laughs> and i um i picked up someone's entire daphne du Maurier collection and i read those and i wouldn't have read um those otherwise and uh the grail tree was a book that i found in the trash and my library has a lot of very Sort of, I don't know, top 20 bestsellers on their Overdrive app. So if I'm looking for something specifically, I am probably not going to find it. And I'm like a long distance runner, so I'm always looking for stuff to listen to. And so I have picked books on Overdrive that I never ever would have read otherwise or listened to otherwise, which is how I read Fifty Shades of Grey, which I thought was not nearly as bad as anybody had heard. <laughs> the narrator did a terrific job with it. I never would have listened to that book otherwise. But here I am. I have some bit of cultural knowledge. If somebody starts talking about it at, you know, at a party, I can say, well, when I read Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> so what Overdrive has done for me, and I've read John Grisham novels so I wouldn't read otherwise, but what Overdrive has done for me is sort of reinduced the serendipity of discovering a book that you didn't go specifically to read. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, two things. One, between the book that you've written, the stories you're telling about Overdrive, and every amazing thing you've said, you you've, you can't see us because we're on the phone and this is a podcast and so no one else can see this, but Jill and I have been smiling from ear to ear. And <laughs> if any, you've almost given us too many pull quotes to use. So this is absolutely perfect. But I want to point out when you were talking about when we met at ALA, you came over and you said, you know, I'm a big fan of Overdrive. I absolutely love it. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, we're, uh, we're very fortunate where people come and do that all the time. So I was just like, oh, yeah, thank you. No, we're really happy to be able to serve you. And then I realized that earlier in the day, someone from your publisher had said, this guy's going to come over and talk to you about Overdrive, and he's, he's creating this amazing story. And then I realized that was you. I'm like, ran back over to the booth and I was like I need to make sure Kyle is still here so we can talk so it was like I completely had like this moment of oh wait that was the person I was supposed to talk to so I'm glad that we finally were able to do that 
system. Yeah, it worked out. I I think that overdrive is one of the answers to the the retort that people often have about well, you can get any book that you want from Amazon. I'm like, well, there are a lot of books that I could get from Amazon that I really don't feel like paying for. I don't know what that John Grisham, you know, Cold Mountain book cost. But if I walked into a bookstore, I probably wouldn't drop $25 on it. But I got it from Overdrive, as I would from my library. I didn't have to go to the library. I had to get out of my bed. You know, I just pulled out my phone, and there was this book, thanks to the Philadelphia Free Library and Overdrive. And I think that anybody who thinks, oh, I have all the books that I need, I read them on my Kindle, can be swayed into supporting libraries to some extent by saying, here are other services that are very accessible to you and very understandable to you that libraries are providing. You can borrow this book, this audio book, this e-book. I think we're going to have you shoot a commercial. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I know that, you know, prior to doing this article and then this book, you obviously you're a photographer and you've done all sorts of things, but uh, you know, what's next for you after this book? Is this kind of going to become like your, your life path of, uh, of championing, you know, libraries all around the country and all around the world? Or are you working on something else that, that you're allowed to talk about? So I'm working on a few things right now. I am still working on photographing fantasy and science fiction writers in their writing spaces. Um, I'm finishing up a book about pay telephones right now. (laughs) Um, I have a a book about roller derby. Yeah, and I'm also uh, photographing fraternity houses. So those are the the big projects right now. Interesting. You have a lot and going on. <laughs> the, cool, the cool thing about all of them is that whenever I go somewhere, I, I can work on whatever that particular project is, you know, because there's always a science fiction writer who, you know, lives in some place, and there's always a payphone in some place, and there's always a roller derby team in some place. <laughs> so these are, are projects that are able to just sort of grow, like, plants that I carry around with me, I guess, you know, and some of them get a little, uh, sunlight and water occasionally when I show up somewhere else to do something. So while I was in, uh, uh, you know, while I was in Chicago or whatever, I photographed some science fiction writers. Well, if you end up in Cleveland, we have a roller derby team and you can stop by the overdrive offices as well. All sorts of librarians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so at the end of the Nope, go ahead. So there, there are other things um, that are happening with this book, too. There is a touring gallery show that every library is uh, sponsoring. So libraries can get prints from the book, hang them up in their library, have a wine and cheese show. People can come in, look at the prints, look at the books, find out what their library is doing. Um, if their librarian happens to be in the book, we'll make sure that one of the prints that they get is their particular librarian, and hopefully to draw people in who have seen the essay and thought, oh, there's a gallery show at the local library. Let's go see those pictures of the librarians we saw in Slate. So that's going to be uh, happening, and hopefully um, coming to a city near you. That's really cool. That is really cool. So at the end of every episode, we have what we call the Nerd Nine, which are sort of Mm -hmm. nine 
rapid fire, quick Ish. answer questions. Um, so don't put too much thought into these, okay? Okay. So the, fir- the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Jeff Vandermeer's Born. Your favorite place to read? The tree fort in my parents' backyard. That's a good answer. <laughs> Do you have a guilty pleasure? No. The things that I feel guilty about do not give me pleasure. <laughs> I, think. I think that's the best there, answer. <laughs> there are things <laughs> there are things that worry and consume me, such as not working all the time. So Oh man. Not not being working no, well, I guess I am working right now, but you know, not working on something as soon as I hang up the phone will bother me. <laughs> it will not pleasure me, but I don't feel guilty about it. Got it. One place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? McMurdo Sound in Antarctica. Oh. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Are you a coffee or a tea drinker? Tea. Cats or dogs? Cats, because no one has taught a dog to use a toilet yet. <laughs> that is a very good point. Your favorite food? Mashed potatoes. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? I mean, the obvious answer is my wife, but the truth is, if I was having dinner with my wife and Dorothy Parker started beating on the door with a bottle of gin screaming, tacos, I would get up and go with her. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Kyle, that was the best answer ever. I think so. <laughs> um, our last question for you, and you've kind of answered this a few times here, but just kind of summarize and, and finish up. What do you hope that readers take away when they read This Is What a Librarian Looks Like? I hope they realize that librarians are doing more than than they thought librarians were doing, and also realize that librarians, without hyperbole, are fighting a literal battle for civilization between literacy and illiteracy, and they need our help. That is perfectly well put now normally we tell people go borrow these books and i will tell you everyone go borrow this book on overdrive but you know what after you borrow it go purchase a copy of it as well because it is absolutely gorgeous kyle thank you so much for joining us today it was a complete pleasure thank you and let me say that if you buy this book and you've read all of the words out of it and they don't give you any more pleasure you could give it to your local library that is incredibly true kyle thank you so much this was a blast thank you readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus